Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray, and you're listening to the Ranks FC podcast. Rank Squad and welcome to Ranks FC. It's your favourite football podcast. Back again for another week and back with another of our season previews, the penultimate season preview for this season. We're talking all things SETI. Uh, my name is Jack Collins and I'll be your host today and I'm joined by our transfer guru, Mr. Dean Jones. How you doing, mate? Hello, mate. Yeah, very good. Looking forward to this one. I was thinking, actually, what are your like roots of Italian football? Like, when did you start watching? Um, and like, what? Where is your background? Because like, we're probably well, we are from different generations of Italian footballers. Like, who who do you remember? Um, it's a weird one because I think like for ages, Spanish football was very much my my bread and butter. I loved I loved La Liga. And I kind of growing up, that I was part of that Revista de la Liga 
era on Sky Sports, which really piqued mm. my interest, etc. And Italian football had definitely come off its high by the time that I, well, by the time that I started watching it properly. But I think that, you know, the, the teams that, the first Italian teams that I remember, are the, that great Milan side. Uh, of the mid sort of 2000s that was that was my era i suppose of, of italian football the the side that played liverpool in that famous 3-0 final in in istanbul uh, and then the side that beat them 2 years later those milan sides i think are the first ones that caught my eye but but i've always always loved francesco totti and so his roma side i wasn't really sort of partial to when they won the title i was a little bit young at that point but i loved totti growing up um i remember having a totti shirt was i think the first foreign football shirt i actually ever owned so yeah it, it's been it's been a long kind of time coming but i think mm. that I, I probably didn't get the glory eras of of serie a in the way that you did well yeah i mean obviously Growing up, I had the whole Football Italia thing with James Richardson on Channel 4. Um, and honestly, like it was it was genuinely a moment that would stick. Any of my mates would say like, you just remember being up in the mornings and that show being on. And it was the only chance you get to see Italian football. Um, you know, I remember as a kid, like obviously Gaza at Lazio like was a was a big one, a big moment when Gaza went there and like there was so much around it and you you basically would always tune in to see how Gaza was getting on. But I remember, like Del Piero uh was somebody that I, I loved. Um Viali would make a lot of waves and then obviously there was there's things like Tossi and when I was growing up and Maldini and stuff that you, you couldn't really avoid. But yeah, it was it was a lot of a lot of that early um, wave of coming into the British culture, um, thanks to James Richardson and Co. He's obviously dined off of that for the last thirty odd years, and fair play to him. Um, wow, but it's uh, it was it was literally um, it it changed it changed the the football culture uh, over here, and it brought Italy into the mainstream. So. Yeah, I think that probably started early 90s. I don't know exactly when I would have started watching Italian football uh, more seriously. But like you, I, I, I did definitely fall away from it. Um, and it's only probably in the last six, seven years that I've properly started to watch it again. Yeah, I mean, I think that there is a fair point to say now that Serie A is the most competitive league of the big five. Um, and potentially even of, of the big seven. It does feel this year that there are five, maybe six, seven teams that could go on and win the league and that is a really cool place to be in comparison to a lot of the others where you know that it's either a one two or three horse race it, it does make mm. it exciting and and I do think that this renaissance of Italian football obviously culminated last year in having a team in each of the three European finals now that didn't go to plan obviously all three of them lost but when when you look at that I think Serie A's rise as a major force again in Europe is a brilliant thing. And I think that this diversification of the title race has helped with that, right? We're seeing more and more success for these teams based on the fact that it's not just uh, Juventus hegemony anymore. And and that's a, I think mm. it's a brilliant thing for the league. And I think as it expands, obviously we're seeing a lot of coverage of, of, of Serie A in, in the US now as well. As it expands, I think that's got to be one of its premium selling points. And I'm really excited to talk about this today because I'm just genuinely, I think, most excited for this Serie A season than any other league in Europe. 
Yeah, um, I think that's probably fair. Like you say, um, this is a league where you really don't know what is coming and that's part of the narrative around it as we head into this season. We'll start with Napoli. In this first segment, we will address like the title contenders and the, the guys that you expect to be in the Champions League places. And Napoli obviously won the league last season. Against the odds, I would say, I think, Jack, you were about the only person in the world tipping Napoli at the beginning of the season for a Scudetto. You, you were pretty hot on them. Um, they went on to do it in the bag, son. Uh, well done uh, with your early shouts on that. Um, ending a 33-year wait for Italian title, and it brought about a surge of Maradona murals, which was a nice addition to the celebrations, obviously. Um, the party has been halted a little bit over the summer. There wasn't much time to enjoy the joy of, of that title win for Napoli. Uh, Spalletti has decided to step down. Natalie's sporting director has also left. And Aurelio De Laurentiis has had to now look towards a transition to, well, another new era um, and put things in place to make sure that Napoli, this isn't the end of things. Now, it seems like he wants to continue the philosophy that they were already building on. Rudy Garcia will be in charge. Um, and I guess the hope is that they continue to create in the same sorts of ways and entertain in the same sorts of ways as part of that. Um, unfortunately for Napoli, um, there were other departures and the key one, Kim Minier did leave. Um, Bayern managed to trigger that release clause for him at 50 million euros. So that is a big loss. Um, they've brought in a Brazilian defender, Natan um, 10 million euros I think he came in for so he's got big boots to fill if he's going to live up to to what Kim was able to achieve in a Napoli shirt but the good news for Napoli is Kvaric Skelia I'll get it out Kvaric Skelia is still there and Victor Ozymen is still there um there was a lot of rumor around these two for most of the season and most of this summer but both remain in place as we record this podcast. It looks like that probably will stay. Even Saudi riches can't take these two away right now. Um, like you say, mate, like one of the best things in Serie A is that no one knows what to expect. I don't expect Napoli to win the league again, but they could. They might not make the top four again, but they could. And I think that that's why this is going to be Really fascinating. I mean, are you open to a repeat here? Do you think Aussie men and Gavaradona can can inspire something like that again? I'm open to a repeat. I think that this is the thing, that there are two or three, maybe four teams here that I think have a real chance of winning it. And there are, uh, I think more than anyone, Napoli have this kind of cloud hanging over them. It's like Rudy Garcia obviously had that wonderful year at Lille where he won a league and cup double back in 2011. But it's been kind of middling since then in terms of his managerial career. I think that they haven't lost anyone apart from Kim is a major, major win for Napoli. Um, but I think that most of the question marks hang over, over the manager's head. Um, there are some some gaps I think still need filling. Um, Tongi and Dombele went back to Spurs, obviously, but I do like the signing of Jens Kajust, uh from Reim which I thought was a, a nice little pickup, actually, um, and, and maybe went under the radar. Obviously, Raspadori and Simeone were made permanent as well. It does look like Napoli are still in the hunt for a few more. Lo Celso's been linked all summer, um, and so I think that, that that one's one 
you know, bearing in mind. Um, but the big question, I suppose, from a playing perspective is is Natan, who comes in from Red Bull Bragantino, um, highly rated, 22 years old, comes in, can he fill the void left by Kim Min Jae? That's a big void because not only was Kim Min Jae absolutely dominant defensively last year, he was also brilliant at progressing the ball out the back and, and being able to set Napoli on the front foot quickly. And, and it was such a big part of, of, of their success. So the fact that most of the team is still together means that Napoli are still in this conversation, 100%. But I do think that there's just this kind of level of how does it come in and how does it fit if, you know, if Rudy Garcia wants to make changes, is he just going to go, we need more of the same? Or is he going to try and put his own stamp on this team? And I think the fact that his last few managerial spells have been relatively middling means that there is a massive open question. But if Napoli start well then there's absolutely no reason that they can't be 100% in the conversation again, I don't think. Yeah, absolutely that. Um, as you say, we don't know at this stage who will emerge as favourites, but they definitely could perhaps should be in that conversation again, given how well things went for them last season. But there are the same old hopefuls that, that will want to catch them and overtake them. And those are Juventus, Lazio, AC Milan, Inter Milan, heading the list. And then you've got Atalanta and Roma trying to get in there. Now, I'm going to focus on the big four challenges here, and then you can take it uh, after that. But look, in terms of where we begin here, I want to actually start with AC Milan. I just feel like there's perhaps the most pressure on them coming into this season. Um, they finished fourth last year, and I think that that was uh, disappointing. It wasn't It wasn't a good title defence from them. Now, they did have to balance that out, obviously, with, with Champions League football again, and actually had a good run in the Champions League. But it, it was a poor title defence. I mean, they were never gonna they were never gonna hold on to the, to it and, and they, they lost their grasp on it pretty quickly. quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And so now I think they need to bounce back from that. And the way they seem to be going about it is by having a bit of an overhaul of, of the squad. Um a lot of changes and pretty extensive changes, really. I mean, just naming some of the players to have come in, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Christian Pulisic, a big addition that have come in from Chelsea. Yunus Musa, fantastic signing, brilliant player. Uh, Noah Okafor, he's come in. Um, and I think that's actually quite an interesting one coming in from, from RB Salzburg. Uh, Samuel Chukwueze, like, that could be an amazing signing. And Tijani Reinders has come in as well, um, midfielder from AZ Alkmaar. So... Yeah, looking at those guys, they spent over 100 million euros on that lot. Um, there's a couple of frees that have come in as well. Now, it's a lot to bring all of this together, but there are some big names in there. And I think that that comes with its own expectations. Of course, we have to mention the fact that they've lost Sandro Tonali, who's, I guess, funded a lot of this overhaul. Um, he's gone to Newcastle and I was extremely surprised when that happened. Um, Tonali really not spent that long at AC Milan, considering it was, seemed to be in his heart. But they've got to move on from it quickly. And the fact that Paolo Maldini has left the club as well, you know, this is a big over, overturn in things um, over there. So I think there's a different pressure on Pioli this season. You know, I've, I wouldn't say I'm a Milan fan, but I, I, I definitely, like, since, since lockdown, really, have, like, definitely taken a... A different interest yeah they, they, there's something about them that that kind of captured me during that period and and ever since Pioli came in I've been 
really caught up in the way that he's built this team and he's built the character and the determination and the spirit. But now that they're signing big names like these and there is this expectation and perhaps even more global eyes on them, I feel like Pioli is going to have to deliver early on or the pressure could be on him too. Yeah, I mean, I think the key for Milan this summer was holding on to the big three. Yes, they lost Tonali, but they kept Liao, they kept Teo, and they kept Mike Magnon. And those are the three key components, I think, in, in this Milan team. And then, as you say, this overall, last summer, it felt like Milan spent their entire budget on Charles de Ketelara, and it didn't work out. But what they've done this year, which I really like, is they've sort of diversified their portfolio if you will they they, they've brought in a number of players all around that sort of 20 15 million euro mark and they've backed on a number of them working but it's not all on somebody's shoulders if you feel and and also i think that takes the pressure off someone like rafael liao because we saw obviously in the the games against inter in the champions league semi-final that liao's absence basically broke the team now, you can't have that. You can have star players, that's fine. But not being able to, to utilise different strengths in the squad to, to be able to be competitive in such a big game felt like a major blow to the morale of everyone associated with the club. Now, obviously, it's been a bit of a wild summer because not only has Tonali left, who was kind of seen as that future captain Milan fan growing up, but also Maldini and Massara as well behind the scenes. So it's been a lot of overhaul, a lot of change. But I think in the likes of Chukweze and Pulisic and Okafor, there are players there who can take that burden of creativity and goal scoring off Rafael Liao. I think in the midfield, they've this is a really, really strong midfield core now because not only have you still got Ben Asser in there, um, you also now have Yunus Musa, you have Tijani Reinders, who I think is going to be an absolute revelation, by the way. He was sensational for RZ Alkmaar, and I really, really like that bit of business. And you've brought in Ruben Loftus-Cheek, who feels like he's starting to cook quite nicely in a Milan shirt. Then, on top of that, I thought bringing in Sportiello as a backup to Magnon is a real upgrade on Tatrasanu, who's obviously gone off to Saudi Arabia. He's been a great servant for the club, but it did feel like a problem when he was in goal. I think Sportiello is a much safer pair of hands, and to get him on a free from Atalanta is very, very Easy, smart business, I think. And then there's Luca Romero, who remains the kind of, well, he is the wild card in all of this. But I think what we've seen from him in pre-season, since joining from Lazio on a free, um, suggests that there is a superstar in the making in there. So loads to like about this Milan summer. Obviously, there are questions about how it all fits together. There are questions about the way that, that Pioli sets this side up. I think that the back end of last season would have gone down incredibly badly in the red and black half of, of Milan. But generally, this has been a good summer. And I think that a lot of the noise that was around when, you know, when we spoke to Christine a couple of weeks back about the problems facing the, the big giants in Serie A, I think a lot of that noise has gone away after this transfer window because it feels like maybe Milan have done the best business of the lot. Yeah, I mean, certainly um, you you look at what their team could be on paper and it could just be so exciting. Like, as you say, like giving um, players like Liao other options around him and ways for this team to express themselves, I think is is definitely going to be a, a thing to watch. And uh, and I'm, I can't wait for this to get going. Um, but obviously the 
the competition for them to not only win the title is big, but to win the Battle of Milan is big. And that takes me over to, to Inter. And again, I don't know what to expect from Inter Milan. It was a weird old season for them. Um, they ended up in a Champions League final. But earlier on in the campaign, there is absolutely no way uh, many people would have been predicting that outcome. They only lost narrowly, obviously, in the end to Manchester City as well. So fantastic ending for them to, to even get that far. But they do kind of feel like, at the very least, they've stood still. I don't feel like there's been much progress here, to be honest. Um, they're trying to to change things, but in the early stages, I'm not sure what we're going to see from them. They'll be helped, I think, by the... I was looking at their fixtures. There is potential for a good start on that front. But Onana, obviously in goal, it's a huge loss in terms of the way he's able to play out the back. Jan Sommer has come in. I mean, a decent replacement, but Very solid, he's not Onana. Very yeah, solid. I mean, I, I, I love Thomas shot stopping. I think that he is underrated as one of the best shot stoppers in the world. But yes, they definitely lose a little bit of that ability to transition out the back. Yeah, and then you you, you look elsewhere and you think, okay, well, what else have they lost? Skriniar, Brozovic, Lukaku, and there's no Jeko these days. And like, so they've brought in David Fratesi, Marcus Turam to help make up for these losses in the squad. Just not sure that those actually are good enough to force Inter to step forward again and actually win the league. I think that's probably where I'm at. Like I think that you know, top four, absolutely, they can still be there. And you you look at their their team on paper and the three five two that they're expected to use, and you think, okay, f- fine, like this is a decent side. But then you're thinking, there's so much pressure now on Lautaro Martinez to deliver. And maybe he wants that. Maybe he's been waiting to just be the main man. You know, he's he's staying there again. There's been a few rumours this summer of him moving on. But the team's very committed now to, to Inter and to, to being the head of this team. He can definitely do it, but he's got to have the delivery around him. I mean, what do you think in terms of them being in the title conversation um, as we look at it today? It's a big overhaul, isn't it? I, I think not only just on the pitch, but also in the in the dressing room. Anana's gone, Gagliardini's gone, Skriniar's gone, D'Ambrosio's gone, Dzeko's gone, um, Handanovic has gone as well. So there's a lot of, okay, we've lost a lot of players. Um, obviously, Acherby's come back in at centre-back. I think they'll be fine at the back. Um, I think Sommer is a good replacement. I also think that Aldero is a really smart little loan from Sampdoria as a as a backup option and to push him. Um, they also bought Raffaele Di Gennaro from Gubbio, but I think he's very much come in as, as the third choice goalkeeper. So that that's why I think Aldero can push Sommer and that should be a good thing for them. It gives them a solid backup um, and also allows them to change things. Obviously, Brozovic is a big loss. Aslani came in from Empoli last year on loan. That's been made permanent now. Didn't really get many opportunities in there, but I think that he's a sensible pickup. Um, I thought he was a good pickup last year as a backup because I really liked him at Empoli two seasons ago. Um, and I think that he might be, you know, 21 now, might well get that time to shine. But Fratesi's come in as well, 23 years old, on loan from, from Sassuolo with an option to buy. So I think that that kind of bit of it is covered. Where I'm a little bit wary is that they haven't got that second striker in. Now, Turam comes in as a kind of Jekko replacement, I think. Um, but I don't think they f- will fill the gap or have filled the gap yet that Lukaku leaves. And obviously, that's been a saga in its own right. Um, and, and it's all been 
deeply uncomfortable, to be perfectly honest with you. But I think that Inter haven't taken any steps hugely backwards on the pitch. I think that there's enough talent in here to cover the the bases. And Cuadrado comes in to provide a little bit maybe of that experience that, that they're lacking in, in with all those departures. But I think that, you know, this is a, is quite a, a vibrant summer. Jan Bissek coming in from Aarhus, a young German centre-back played in the under-21s, um, I think is a really interesting one. And I think that that could be one. I think they bought him for 7 million euros. That could be the kind of deal where he's sold for 30, 35 million euros in a couple of years because I think he has a massive ceiling. Um, but just generally, I, I'm just a bit wary of the way that it looks off the pitch and who become, stands up and becomes a leader in this dressing room now. But equally, as you say, sometimes you need to cut down old trees in that there's no space for flowers to grow in the garden. And actually, sometimes when you when you do that, and Napoli did this last year, right? It allowed people to shine. And I've got a I've got a kind of feeling that Inter might start the season strong. I think in Izagi they have a manager who knows exactly how he wants to play um, and, and has his players right bought into his system. Um, and I think that when you put all that together... Inter, if they start strongly, I think could really kick on. If they start badly, I think this could go quite badly wrong. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, we should probably remind everyone of just what the gap was in Serie A last season between the chasing pack and Napoli, because it was it was vast in the end. I mean, Napoli won the league with 90 points. Uh, Lazio was second with 74. Inter ended up third on 72 and then Milan filled the Champions League spots. They came fourth on 70 points. So, like, Napoli obviously did run away with it in the end. And, then in fact, like it, they clinched the title later than expected in the end as there were a, a couple of a – a bit of dithering towards the end. But they, they did get the job done, and it was never really in doubt. But this, that's a huge gap for everybody else to make up. And, you know, Napoli were pretty relentless. And I think that it goes to show in this league that, like, once you find that – consistency and momentum like you really can run away with things so yeah Inter Milan strong finish in the end last season to, to get up to third but difficult to know what to expect I tell you what there's one club that we are now going to address whereby oh I don't really don't know what we're going to get Juventus the crazy world of Juventus last season was a bad one they finished seventh and it was turbulent to say the least. Um, they were deducted points. Uh, those points were then reinstated. Um, it looks like they would then be able to finish in the top four, but then they ended up losing uh, 10 points um, due to the capital gains case they were involved in. And they were also banned from all UEFA competitions for this season. So it's... Yeah, turbulent to say the least at Juventus. And yeah, they ended up in, in seventh on 62 points. So remember, they did get a 10-point deduction. So they would have ended on the same points of Inter Milan had they not suffered that that point deduction. Now, I, I kind of fancy a bounce back here from Juve. I was speaking to a friend of mine who, who covers Juve over in Italy. And I just sent him a couple of messages last night and I said, you know, what are the expectations? And he's like, look, initially it's got to get back in the Champions League like that. It's all about just first and foremost, making sure they are back in the Champions League this season. Um, he said, you know, you, you look at what sort of business has been done. And the main thing to take from it is the team is um, last year's plus where 
without Di Maria. He said, at the moment, not favourites to win the title. They have completed the full transfers of Locatelli, uh, Moise Keane, um, Arcadius Milik. So after their loan sp- spells, they, they are now on board. And the, yeah, the main addition is that addition of Timothy Ware from Lille. Um, he's expected to play as like a, a right-sided wing back uh, rather than a forward, which we might have said in the past, but we've talked about that before. Obviously, Quadrado um, no longer at the club. Weston McKenney at the moment, back in the fold at Juve. Um, I did not expect him to still be there this season, but at the moment, as we're say, as we're recording, he's still at Juve um, and could well even be in the lineup. I was looking through like what sort of team you might be expecting from Juve this season. I'm like, Weston should probably get a game, to be honest. I mean, you might be looking at a midfield three of like McKenney, Locatelli and Rabio at this stage. And I mean, there's certainly worse places to be than that. Looking up top, again, at the moment, you've got Chiesa and you've still got Vlavic. So much speculation around Vlavic, but he's still there. I mean, what a front two. Like if those two have the um, ammunition, then they can absolutely deliver uh, goals this season. I'm kind of excited about what Juve can do this season. Um, I know like nobody beyond me really likes Juventus. I'm not a Juventus supporter. Um, there are Juventus I, fans out there. I think it's a bit unfair. <laughs> not on our podcast, I don't think. I, know, I've never, I don't think I've ever had a message from anyone that listens to our podcast saying that they're a Juventus fan. If you are, get in touch now. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of people, it's a bit like Man United syndrome, isn't it, in, in England? You're like Most people like to see Man United suffer. And it feels like a lot of people like to see Juventus suffer. And that's kind of what comes after years of, of domination. But yeah, I feel like it's, it's got to be an improvement um, on the field and off the field. And if this team gets going, mate, they could win the league, couldn't they? Yes and no. Um, I, I think that there's still too much uphill, uh, upheaval. Um, I'm not convinced that they've hugely improved the squad as of yet. I, I, I think that there are obviously still things to happen here. But I'm I'm just wary that if Allegri's still in charge, I think the magic is gone. And that's the point we've got to here, where Juve felt sluggish last season. Yes, they would have finished in the top four with if they hadn't had their points deduction. That's fine. It's not a problem. I think that that's a perfectly fine place to be. But I don't think at any point they felt like they were challenging Napoli for the title. And I think that that demolition by Napoli of Juventus in this mid- mid-season felt like a real moment. You were like, wow, this team doesn't have the fear factor that they once had. Um, I think that obviously you can get there. Uh, I like Vlavic and Chiesa too. You know this. Um I wish they were still in purple rather than in black and white, but alas, here we are. I, I just feel like Juve haven't taken any steps forward. Again, this is still a good side, sure. But is Timothy Weyer the answer to all of Juventus's problems, switching Quadrado for where? I, I don't think so. And and I think when you look at this, you're looking at a midfield three currently, you know, of either McKenny Locatelli, Rabio, obviously Fagioli will continue to to challenge. Pogba's injured again. Moretti, I think, is excellent, but just feels like he's still not completely trusted by Allegri. I think if Juve are going to move forward, they need to put this faith in these youth players. Fagioli and, and Moretti are, are, are brilliant footballers. And I really, really like the way that they kind of fit into this side. 
But I just feel like he's going to go with experience once again. And I think it makes Juventus worse. I can't see it. I can't see them in a title race. I can see them battling in the top four race. But I can't see Juve fighting for a, a title this season currently with the squad that they have as we are speaking right now. Yeah, I mean, look, this is the beauty of Serie A. Anything can happen. And, and you know, the, the idea of this club bouncing back, I just think, is, is something I'm 100% not ruling out them being um, up there, ready to push everybody um, somewhat unexpectedly uh, from what you say there. But look, let's just end this part on, on Lazio, who came second, but they have lost their best midfield player this season, this summer, no, perhaps their best player overall in Milinkovic-Savic. Um that's a that's a big loss for them. Asherabi has joined Inter, like you mentioned. They brought in Tati Castellanos um, from MLS side NYCFC. Uh, Gustav Isaacson from Mittyland, interesting signing, uh, at around eight million. Um, they've made some really interesting additions. Daichi Kamada obviously coming from Frankfurt. Matteo Cancellieri from from Verona. Um, so there is some. Casillero was interesting there last year on loan, but it, I mean, yeah, he's, but he's a really exciting to, footballer. I really like him. Yeah, and I just think it's been an interesting approach to the market. And you look at what Sarri's building, it's none of it feels that glamorous. None of it's like that sexy. But Sarri's not that sexy, and that's fine. Like, his man is, is all about um, the overall picture, the overall vision, and taking it step by step. Uh, I still think it will be difficult to live up to what they managed last season in coming second. But those low expectations I have in comparison with somebody like Milan perhaps helps them over the course of the season if other people also um, undermine them or underestimate them. Uh, They play Napoli quite early in the season, actually. I think it's game week three. So that will give us a good gauge on on where they're at in terms of competing um, at that level. And... Yeah, I, I think, honestly, if Lazio could just be in that top four again, surely that's a, that's a good place for them. Yeah, they're, they're linked with Nicola Rovella, who, who was out on loan from Juve last season, uh, and I really like that. I'm going to be honest, I kind of have Lazio pegged as title favourites right now. I really, wow. really like what Sarri's doing there. I like that this side have continued to improve. I think we've seen significant improvement through the time that Sarri's been there. Obviously, the first season transitioning away from Inzaghi's 3-5-2 back into a 4-3-3, trying to play a bit more possession football. We know what Sadismo looks like. Um, yes, they've lost Milinkovic-Savic, but I think that Daichi Kamada is about as good as a replacement you could ask for. We'll add goals, we'll add that ability to just drift through defensive lines and, and, and score I like Kamada a lot, uh, and I'm surprised that there weren't more suitors for him. Uh, I know mm. he was linked with Milan earlier in the window, but I think that's a brilliant pickup. 26 years old, free transfer, one of my favourite players to watch in Europe. I think that's brilliant. Um, Tati Castellanos had a brilliant loan last year at Girona. It started really slowly um, and ended with him scoring four goals against Real Madrid in a single game. Um, and I think that they've gambled that Castellanos is is going to succeed, and, and I like it as a gamble. Uh, Isaacson is a really interesting one for Mitchell, and they've paid quite a lot of money for him, 12 million, and they've also paid a little bit um, for young Mexican winger Diego Gonzalez as well. Um, they've just bought him from Celaya. So when you look at this side, what I'm thinking is that they haven't... Malikovic Savic aside, the Cherby was obviously on loan last year at Inter, so that doesn't really count. They haven't lost anyone that I'm like, ooh, that's a big blow. 
I think they continue to move forward. As long as Luca Pellegrini comes back on le- at left back, which I think he will, because Donisi is, is left now as well. Um, but as long as Pellegrini goes back there, I think that Lazio are slowly building something really, really strong. And I think that this could be the year where Sarri is able to... He's had you know time with the main group of main thrust of this group and I think that it could be the year that they managed to kick on and really challenge and I think the fact that everything's a bit up in the air might suit Lazio I, I I've got a really good feeling about them oh you've gone quite big there mate that's quite bold that's a bold take uh, it's not what this show's supposed to be about we're just doing an overall thing and you've gone Head first into a Lazio prediction for the Scudetto. No, I mean, love no, it. This mate. is not. A, this it. is not the five by five. I'm not locking them in. But <laughs> oh no, 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 no. We've heard point, it, mate. We've heard it. At this point, I have them pegged as title favorites. Uh, that can change. In the bag, you just said. Well, in the yeah, bag. That's, yeah, that's what, what I heard. I've that's what I said. Um, I've got some. <laughs> I've got some news actually, and um, because in the time that we've spoken about Inter, uh, it looks like they're about to have Marco Anatovic as their second striker. Um, oh, now he's delivered. Wow. Quite nicely in Serie A for, for Bologna for a number of years. Uh, he's a f- pretty much a free transfer. So I actually think this might be a this might be a nice little move, actually. I, I think that that fills the, yeah. that fills the void. It fills the experience void. Um, I quite like that a lot. Um, and also, I spoke about Charles de Quetelara and it looks like he's off to Atalanta. So it's all go in Serie A today. We picked a bad morning to start with uh, with our preview, but alas, here we are. <laughs> uh, but it all seems like yeah. it's on the go. Uh, and on that, I think it's probably time for us to bring this first segment to an end. Uh, in part two, we're going to be talking about the challenges for those European spots, Atalanta, Roma, Fiorentina and the rest. And in part three, We'll be talking about the new boys and anyone else that might be a little bit in trouble this season. Don't go anywhere. Celebrate the holidays at an Arizona state park. Whether it's a cool weather hike through the low desert, playing in the snow in the high country, or packing up the family in the RV and spending Christmas in the parks. Just don't forget the presents. Arizona State Parks have something for everyone this holiday season. Find an Arizona State Park near you by visiting azstateparks.com. And happy holidays from Arizona State Parks and Trails. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Welcome back to Ranks FC, part two of our Serie A season preview. We were looking at some European challenges and maybe some outside bets to be in this title race still. That is the beauty of Serie A. Let's start dealing with Atalanta, who finished fifth last season and have had a pretty wild summer 
in many ways. Rasmus Hoyland obviously left for Manchester United for, for 75 million euros or so. Joachim Mailer uh, has left to go to Wolfsburg for, for 12 million. They've lost what feels like quite a, a big couple of players. Jeremy Boger as well, off to Nice. Um, it depends. He, he didn't really set the league on fire, uh, I think, at Atalanta. Nice might get Sassuolo Boger, who was absolutely outrageous, and they might get Atalanta Boger, who was a bit dull, to be perfectly honest. But it feels like they've picked up some really interesting footballers. Uh, El Bilal Toure came in from Almeria. His goals basically kept Almeria up last season. Gianluca Scamacca returns to Italy after one season at West Ham United. Uh, they brought in Mitchell Backer at left back from Leverkusen, which I really like as a, as a Mela replacement. Feels like Mela's had that left side locked down for so long. Um, that changing it up here is, is an interesting one. But back is still only 23. He's had some serious experience at Leverkusen and, and I like that. They've also brought in Shad Kolasinac, probably to play on the left-hand side of this back three. Uh, and Mich Michel Adopo, who's come in from Torino on a free. So it's kind of all change. Um, but the big one that's kind of bubbling is that Charles de Ketelara is apparently joining Atalanta to play in that role behind the strikers. And I like this a lot. It feels like the kind of position where De Ketelara can actually shine. Um, now, a Gasparini side should never be written out. Last year wasn't brilliant, but I think was, was an improvement in, in terms of where they were the year before. They've stepped forward again. There's a lot of regeneration going on. It looks like Mary Demeral is off uh, as well. He, he's gone. Um, Malinovsky... He's gone as well to Marseille after that loan spell last year. But I think that it feels like another era of change. But I think Atalanta deal with change almost as well as anybody. And, and that's, I think, what makes me excited. There's some really interesting players here. Skamaka in particular, I think everyone's very excited about having him back in Serie A. Uh, El Bilal Torre, I really like. And I think if you can put those two alongside Adamola Lookman, who's been brilliant for a couple of years now. Um, and then if Charles de Catalara comes in there as well, that's an incredibly exciting attacking call. Yeah, I really like that. Um, yeah, de Catalara, is, he needs something to happen, doesn't he? He, he, he needs, whatever, for whatever reason, the, the Milan move maybe came too soon. Maybe it just didn't fit, whatever it was. Um, but it felt like he needed to move. And this, this seems sensible to stay in the same league to continue whatever small progress he might have made settling into the league. I think that in a team like this, creating chances for players like this is going to be absolutely ideal. And, and Atalanta need to, to live up to their, their hype and the expectation of them, which is to play fun football. And as you say, like with, with the creative and the finishing front line like that, it's really impressive. I mean, they, they moved so quick to replace Hoyland. Um, seemed like probably even before he was out the door, they knew what they were doing. So they've been very well set up. I like what they're doing. I like what they're doing. They do feel like they are well run and they will be knocking on that door. There's no doubt about it. You, you know, just the clubs that we've talked about in the first section there, this is a team that you're looking over your shoulders and, and wondering exactly where they're going to be coming. Atalanta finishing in, in fifth last season, six points off of AC Milan who finished in fourth. But yeah, honestly, they are a team I'm taking most seriously um, from the chasing pack. Yeah, I mean, they started last season well as well. They were the only 
team that kept up with Napoli in the early stages. Um, and they've got a relatively soft start as well. Sassuolo away, Frosinone away, Monza at home, Fiorentina away, Cagliari at home, Verona away. That feels like uh, somewhere where Atalanta can maybe get a jump on people if they can get this starting nicely. Um, I think the only question mark over it is that this feels a little bit thin as a squad. Um, and they obviously have to play... Europa League football, Coppa d'Italia, Serie A. He's going to have to strike a balance there, I think, uh, Gasparini. But generally, it's a, it's a good squad. We spoke about Sportiello um, heading off, um, but he is going to be replaced by Marco Carnesecchi, who was at Cremonese last year, had a really good loan spell. Um, and I'm excited about seeing how that goes as well. So, yeah, Atalanta, I think, very exciting. And, and I think with Gasparini there you always know that they're going to be fun right um and and that's the that's the maybe the beauty of of all of it in in many ways with that i think we should probably move over to roma um where it's been a bit of a wild summer before anything i i just wanted to get your thoughts it's a third season with jose mourinho are you concerned I've been concerned since the third week, so it doesn't really matter what I think. Um, I, I, I didn't back him to get through the first season, so I'm definitely not backing him to get through the third one. I think it's I should only be... predict things in Serie A. It seems to be the only thing where I can Yeah, mate, you, right. you nail things in Serie A. You, you really do. You're, you're very good at it. Maybe, uh, maybe that, that TV watching you were talking about earlier on when you switched away from La Liga finally um, is paid off because you know your stuff. You know your stuff and your predictions are very good in this league. But yeah, I honestly did not expect Mourinho to deal with this job as well as he has. I mean, obviously he's had some some moments and uh, some tantrums and all the rest of it. But yeah, it, it's very interesting. Even the way that he's dealt with departures at the club have, have been pretty nice. Um, his Instagram is always an interesting place. But uh yeah, mate, no, not a chance. I'm no way am I backing him to get through another season. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, the first two seasons have been mixed, I think. They were obviously delight over that Conference League win in the first year. They got to the Europa League final last year and were sort of cruelly beaten in one penalties by Sevilla. Um, they haven't qualified for the Champions League in either season with Mourinho. And this is the final year of his contract. So I think that there is a real expectation that if that this has to be it. It's been a really tricky summer, I think, because they've basically not been able to really buy any players. They've made some big approaches. They wanted to bring Skamaka in. They wanted to bring Morata in. Uh, the only players that they've been able to sign so far were Hussam Awa, which I love, and Evan Indica, which I also like. Um, and they brought in... Llorente and Christensen from Leeds on loan. So basically, they've been unable to spend any money. Um, Tammy Abraham has taken an ACL injury, so he's probably out of the picture until at least December. Um, Tahirovic was probably the most exciting of the youngsters that's moved on. He's gone off to Ajax. Uh, and Roger Ibanez has completed a move to Al Ali for around £25 million. So... There's been departures, but not hugely replacements. And I think that that's the the real worry. Now, the fact that they've been missing out on players, um, the fact that they've not been able to spend, uh, it looks like Nemanja Matic is about to complete a move to Rennes. Um, but there is hope in that regard. Leandro Paredes looks like he might be signing on a free. 
Uh, and the other one is that Renato Sanchez has been linked for a couple of weeks now. And that looks like it's edging close to completion. And that, for me, would be a nice addition. I'm not sold on Paredes. His loan spell at Juventus last season was a disaster. I think he might be edging close to the old sell-by date um, (laughs) on his football career. Brilliant eyes. I was a lovely footballer back in the day. But generally, I think that we've not seen the best of him for a couple of years now. And the fact that he was bombed out of that Argentina team in the World Cup pretty quickly, I think was testament mm-hmm. to the fact that there are just younger, better players coming through. Um, but Renato Sanchez, I think, would be a really lovely pickup. And I think that's the kind of thing that could reinvigorate this Roma midfield. I, I'd be very, mm-hmm. very excited about that. I am worried, though, that, you know, obviously Roma have some wonderful footballers. They have Paolo Dybala. Um, but I think the fact that Belotti being their only real recognised striker, even Shamuradov has, has gone off now as well. It just, you know, Belotti hasn't scored a Serie A goal in over 12 months. Uh, you can't have that as the man leading your line going into a new season at this point. Um, yeah. and, and I'm just wary that, you know, Roma have Milan third game. That is a huge, huge test early on. And I think that Roma might not have had the opportunity to strengthen the transfer market by that point. I'm I'm, I'm concerned about Roma. Like I like some of their business. I think Hussam Alwa is a glorious footballer. And I think in the two behind a striker alongside Paolo Dybala, that might be one of the most talented, exciting pairings that anybody in the league has this year. And Ndika is a really good pickup, really sensible, will kick the club forward, I think, in a defensive sense. That said, yeah. I just worry about the depth and I worry majorly about the striker. Yeah, I mean, Mourinho is so desperate to make sure our is, is fit for the new season. The, in Roma's last pre-season game, he substituted our with um, towards the back end of the game, but didn't have any subs left. He just played with 10 men. Our came over and he's like, yeah. He's like, you're coming off. And they kind of like looked at each other and he just comes off. And Mourinho had no subs left. He'd already made eight. And and that was it. He played with 10 men for the rest of the game. There was only, I think, 10 minutes or so left. Um, it was reported that Mourinho had always planned to do that, um, wanted to make the game a bit more fair. They were playing an Albanian side. I think they were already 2-0 up at the time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was reported that he, he wanted to make sure that our was fit. Um, so he just decided to play with 10 men for the rest of the game. That's how important that guy's going to be next season. Yeah, I'm, I'm worried about Roma's depth. Um, and I'm, I'm worried about their lack of goals. But if they can address those, it feels like the rest behind it feels okay. It's just I'm, I'm, I'm a bit wary that they're not going to score ever, maybe, again. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. Unless it's Dybala magic, I'm, I'm really worried as where the goals are coming from. Okay, let's move onwards and let's go to Fiorentina, who've had a busy summer in the market themselves. Arta Cabral was confirmed to join Benfica for £20 million. Euros and Igor left for Brighton for 17 million euros. Uh, Yusuf Male has left as well. Alexa Terzic, who was the backup left back, he's gone off to Salzburg. Still only 23. Uh, Zakowski has left for Spezia. And Jakob Rasmussen has left for Bronby. So it's all a little bit all over the place, I think, right now, where we're at with, with Fiorentina. They've brought in two strikers 
to try and fill the void that Cabral has left and the fact that Lukijovic hasn't really lived up to expectations anywhere apart from in the Conference League. Um, Lucas Beltran has come in from River Plate. Really, really exciting 22-year-old Argentinian-Italian striker. Um, He's a lovely footballer and he's the kind of player, basically it felt like Benfica were going to gamble on Beltran. They've decided to go for Cabral and Fiorentino gone right in that case we'll just have the bloke you were going to sign beforehand and um, but they've also brought in Mbalan Zola who came, comes in from Spezia who's been kicking around in Serie A for a while now his goal returns have been pretty good um he's played relatively well I think in a relatively poor Spezia side for some time um and he's he's managed to sort of you know, hold them above water. I think he's a good player. Uh, and I think that this is an interesting one. You know, with them two and Jovic, there's a, you know, a three-way strike force there that has, you know, I think real major qualifications. They brought in Yeri Mina as centre-back on a free from Everton. Artem Mello has come in on loan from Juventus after that dreadful season um, with with Liverpool last year where he basically didn't feature. The problem for Fiorentina is that everybody is after their players. Um, so we've obviously seen the links to Amrabat, Manchester United and Atletico Madrid throughout the summer. Um, Brentford have come in with two bids for Nico Gonzalez. Uh, Castrovilli at one point was going off to Bournemouth before he failed a medical, but it looks like Fiorentina were happy to sell him. None of that is good news, I think, for a Fiorentina side who have been bumped back into the Conference League by Juventus being banned from European competition. I think that if they are going to challenge and if they are going to to try and move up the league from that seventh spot into one of the one of the Europa League spots, if they're going to try and challenge at the sharp end of the Euro Conference League again, they need to keep hold of Nico Gonzalez and they need to keep hold of Castrovilli. If those things happen, I think this side's in quite a nice place. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm glad you've ended there with a little bit of optimism. Jack sat here, by the way, in a Fiorentina shirt. So I, I was really hoping he was going to be a bit buoyant towards the end. And he did, he did pick up there and he and it does seem like you've got some optimism. Like, what's the ceiling for this team? Like, how good could it get? I think that if Fiorentina keep those players, they could win the Conference League. I think that's the, the obvious place to start wow. with that. Um, and I think that they could get a Europa League spot. In the league as well. I, I'd be wor- okay. more worried right now about Roma than I am about Fiorentina. But that could very quickly change because if Gonzalez goes, if Castrovilli goes, then Fiorentina are in real trouble. Like all of a sudden, yeah. those two players are so crucial to the way they go. And, and Amrabat as well. And it all feels like it's a bit like, ah, uh, and, you know, waiting almost to make the signings to replace them afterwards. They haven't been able to do what Atalanta have done and, you know, basically pick their targets early. If Fiorentina get money for those three players, everyone's going to know they've got money to spend. I think they're very difficult to replace. And that's where I'm I'm struggling with it. Right now, things are okay, I think, generally. Mm. I think everything is okay. But yeah. if you were to lose those, you know, those three players alongside Cabral, who was such a workhorse up front for Fiorentina for so many, you know, for, for the last year and a half. Yeah. I think that that's a big set of, of a core to lose. And I'd be very worried if that was to happen. So Fingers yeah. crossed everyone stays and Fiorentina will be absolutely fine and win the Conference League. That, that's where I'm at. Fair, fair. Um, right, quick one. A couple of others uh, before we move on to the final bit. Um, we're going to just talk about Bologna, who have been really fun under Thiago Motta. Now, it looks like they're losing Arnautovic, which is going to be a little bit tricky. Um, but they've brought some interesting players in. Um, and and I'm, I'm excited about seeing exactly what happens here. 
Um, they've brought back a couple of, of loanies from last season in Nicola Moro and, and Stefan Posh, which is fine. Um, but also, I think the fact that they've brought in Dan and Doy from Basel is one of the most exciting moves this summer. He was brilliant, brilliant, brilliant in the under-21 Euros for Switzerland. They, they weren't brilliant, Switzerland, but Doy was excellent and... Zeki Amthouni was excellent as well. So the two players that were sensational for the Swiss national team uh, have both made big moves this summer. And I'm really excited to see how that one goes on. Uh, Samba Kerma from AZ Altmar, centre-back as well, 24 years old. I think he's a really interesting one. But this is basically all on Thiago Motta. He has come in. He took them to ninth last season. This will be his first full season with the side. And I can't wait to see what he does because he played some of the most interesting, exciting football, I thought, in Serie A last year. Uh, there was a lot of chat, obviously, about him playing a what two seven two in and all of that kind of thing. Turns out he was actually talking about the game horizontally rather than vertically. He wasn't playing with two centre-backs. Um, but generally, it was brilliant. And I, I thought that he, he was really, really exciting. And I'm really intrigued to see what he can do with Bologna this year. Torino are interesting as well. Um, I think they're one striker away from being right in the European conversation. And I think that even Juric has done a, a brilliant, brilliant job with, with what he's done here as well. Um, they've brought in a few interesting footballers, um, notably Raul Bellanova, uh, right back who Sam Tai was a, a real fan of, loves that guy. Um, but generally, they've not lost anyone major. Um, Olaina obviously went off to Nottingham Forest uh, and we spoke about Adopo joining Atalanta as well. But when you kind of look at this, I, I think that they've, they've had a really good summer um, and I think they are one striker away from being right in the conversation for Europe Conference League slash Conference League. And then there's Monza who... Finished in the top half last season after being promoted. They've signed a lot of the players that they had on loan last year on, on permanent transfers now. Pessina, Patania, Caprari, Pablo Mari, Alessio Cranio, Armando Izzo. They've all come in, you know, on, on those permanent deals. They've brought in some experience in the in D'Ambrosio and Gagliardini from Inter. Um, and I think that they've just a relatively exciting side uh, right now. Obviously, we saw Berlusconi pass away at the back end of last season. They'll be looking to kick onwards in memory of their president. But I think that there's an exciting challenge happening at, at Monza. I think that they've been an incredible amount of fun to watch. Um, and we've seen them go from losing their first sort of four games to beating Juventus uh, and having an absolute time. Raffaele Palladino is, is, I think, one of the most exciting managers, young managers in Italy. Um, 39 years old. There were question marks all over that before it happened. And he has shut all the doubters up majorly, I think. So I'm, I'm excited to see if Monza can kick on or if it was a single season jump. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited about seeing if all of those three teams can crack the, the European race. I think they're the most likely three to do it. Yeah, that's all the optimism done, mate. Should we get into uh, the third segment where you can talk about the teams that are going down? Well, we'll talk about the new boys uh, and anyone else right. that's a little bit in trouble after the break. Welcome back to Rags FC, part three of our Serie A preview podcast where we're looking at the new boys and anyone else that might be in trouble this year. And Dean, I want to start with a team that made 
their appearance latest, Cagliari, who came up via the Serie B playoffs. Uh, and do you know who's in charge of Cagliari, Dean? I do, mate. Yeah, it's one of our own, isn't it? It's Claudio Ranieri. What a one day. of our own at Fulham. One, yeah, exactly. Fulham legend, Claudio Ranieri. 71 years old on the Sardinian island. He took over in December and Cagliari were 14th in Serie B. Um, Ranieri was the manager of Cagliari a long, long time ago, where he'd actually taken them from Serie C to the top flight. Um, but he, this was arguably as much of a miracle. Um, really, really incredible what he did here. Uh, they got 35 points in the games that he had from December through to May. Um, and that was basically the equivalent of third in the table. Uh, they finished fifth into the playoffs uh, and... They won the playoffs to get promoted. Another miracle from Ranieri. The Tinker Man strikes again. Um, absolutely sensational. It was so, so yeah. good. It was an amazing story. 94th minute winner. It was brilliant. Um, and he'll get one more go in Serie A, you'd imagine. And at the club where he really first made a name for himself. I think that's a pretty, a pretty lovely story. That said, yeah. <laughs> can they stay yeah. up? Question mark. No, I mean it's feast or famine, isn't it, with this guy? Like he, it's 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 everything or it's or it's nothing, and, and like he'll, he'll either stay in a job for like five minutes, or he's there and like achieve something great for you. Like the amount of clubs this guy has managed is absolutely ridiculous. So between his first job with Cagliari, well, his first job in total, but like when he was first in Cagliari, like you mentioned, which was he left in nineteen ninety one, and right now he's managed. Watford, Sampdoria, Roma, Fulham, Nantes, Leicester, Greece, Monaco, Inter Milan, Roma, Juventus, Parma, Valencia, Chelsea, Atletico Madrid, Valencia, Fiorentina, and Napoli. That is absolutely ridiculous. That is mm. absolutely ridiculous. Like the insight that you would get even from just like spending one of those years at a professional football club at that level is like something almost unmatchable, like barely anyone in football ever gets to that level. To have done it with that many clubs, genuinely remarkable. It's incredible. What I worry about with Cagliari is that Gianluca Lapadula led the club for, for goals scored. He got 21, which was incredible. Um, I think he was a top scorer in Serie B last year. Um, and he was excellent. Really, really impressive. He, he, the problem is he's also 33. And I think he's only scored... 10 more, more goals in one Serie A season in his five years there. So I think to imagine that he's going to continue scoring at that rate is, is probably fancy land. So there are a, a re, this is a really aging attack. And I think that they really, really need young blood up there. The defensive line has been pretty good since Ranieri came in. Um, but I think that they've brought Shamuradov in from Roma. Um, that deals with it a little bit, I think, in, in terms of, of what they're doing. But... Shamoradov has not been a roaring success in a Roma shirt, I think it's, it's fair to say. Um, and I'm, I'm wary that right now that attacking line doesn't look like it's going to score enough goals to keep them in the division. But good luck to Claudio, because I think everyone at this point has a soft spot for the old Tinkerman. I'm going to go to Genoa next, who finished second, but I think probably have the best chance of staying up. Uh, and a lot of that is to do with the fact that they signed Matteo Retegi. Uh, now, Retegi has been playing for the Italian national team. Um, he was brought in despite the fact he was playing in Argentina at the time. Uh, and he's made the move to Italy this summer. It's really exciting. Um, the fact that Genoa 
are back in the top flight is lovely. I think they are Italy's oldest club. Uh, they were in Serie A for 15 years from 2007 to 2022. Um, and then they had an absolute stinker, um, won four games and got relegated. Um, but what they've done is they've completely and utterly refreshed things. Uh, and I think that what we're seeing is Alberto Giladino as head coach has really turned this side around. They've stormed back to the top flight after just a single year. It would have made even sweeter, I'd imagine, by the fact that they saw City rivals Sampdoria relegated going the other way. They would have passed them on the straights. Um, and that would that would just add to it, I think, for Genoa fans. Um, but there's loads of fun. And I think that since Giladino took over, um, they've been absolutely fire. They've they've been brilliant and they've bounced straight back. I'm really excited that they scored so freely in Serie A. It feels like they were doing that without a striker and they now have brought Rotegi in. I think that he is the, the kicker and I really do feel that if, if Rotegi hits the ground running, Genoa have the best best opportunity of all the promoted sides to uh, actually kick on and, and finish in relative comfort and safety. Hmm. Yeah, nice. Um, I mean, a proper, like, going back to when we were talking at the start of the pod about teams that you would watch when, you know, back in the day and stuff. Like, Genoa are, are like a proper Serie A club. Like, they've, they've got such rich history and stuff. So, like, that's the kind of thing I want to hear, Jack. That's the optimism I want for a club like that. Mm, yeah, no, I think it's fun. Very, very fun. Um, right, Frosinone won Serie B, uh, and they did so by being the best defensive unit in the entire league. They also scored the most goals, um, but I think it was a lot mm. to do with this defensive line. Uh, Fabio Grosso is in charge of them. There's a lot of famous names in these in these head coach roles coming up. Obviously, the man who scored the the penalty to win Italy the World Cup in 2006. Um, and he scored the goal that sent them to the final as well. He was the guy, I think, in, in that tournament. Um, but he hasn't had a huge success story up to this point uh, in his managerial career. Um, he was at Brescia, um, lasted a month. Um, he was in Switzerland. They fired him after seven months as the club were bottom of the league. But at Frosinone, he has hit the hit the ground running. Um, he took them to ninth in his first season in charge, missing out on the uh, the playoffs. Uh, I think it was on goal difference, actually. Uh, then they brought in some reinforcements and won the league. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was lots of fun and they were really good. But again, it feels like this attacking line is probably not capable. They were brilliant at sharing the goals around last year, Frosinone. And they were able to to mix around, but they don't have a striker that guarantees any sort of goal return. And and that for me is a major concern, considering, you know, that their their two main strikers last summer scored twelve and nine, I think, respectively. Um, mm. So far, they've tried to address this by bringing in young Marvin Cooney uh, from Bayern's second team on a free. Um, and also they've brought in Gennaro Borelli from Pescara for, for £300,000. Now, I could be wrong, but I'm concerned that that is not going to cut it. Um, so so that's my main issue with this Frosinone team. Um, they were really good last year. I think that they will be hard to break down, but I am worried that they're going to score the requisite amount of goals to keep them up. Um, that said, just a quick one on Hellas Verona, who survived virtue of the playoff for relegation mm. last year. 
Um, they are a worry. They were a worry last year. Again. Um, I, oh, no. I, they were a worry last year. Um, and I said this at the start of the season because they sold like basically 75% of their stri- the goals from the season before. Like 75% yeah. of the goals left in the summer. And funny enough, they struggled <laughs> really weird. Um, really didn't go to plan. They brought in Jaden Braff, who was at Man City, moved to Dortmund. It didn't really work out. 20 years old still. Uh, they've brought him in for 1 million euros, which seems like a really good bit of business because there is definitely talent in, in Jaden Braff. Um, there are question marks um, over his attitude. Now, I don't know if that's just the media doing what the media does, um, but uh, there have been plenty of stories. And the fact that Dortmund have sold him for a million euros suggests to me that something's gone a little bit awry there with with, with that one. So it's going to be interesting. He, he spent some time on loan here last year and didn't really kick on, but they've made the deal permanent nonetheless. So that's a a funny one um, as far as I'm concerned. They've made Andre Duda's loan permanent from Cologne as well. That's a that's a good pickup, I think, um, just generally. And, and Yaya Kalom, who came in from Genoa, um, he was a, a player that I, I quite like. So he's had an interesting career so far, but I don't think that, I don't think that Verona have strengthened enough in order to to not be in this conversation again. So I am worried about how they finish. Um, Lecce got out of things towards the end of last year. They don't feel like they've strengthened majorly either. Um, They brought in Hamza Raffia. And for those of you that remember uh, the Raffia Mafia that Sam and I used to put together, he was an absolute joy as a youth player at Lyon. And since then, he's just bounced around the lower leagues of Italian football. But he's finally going to get his shot in Serie A. All the talent in the world, um, but hasn't realised it at at 24 years old. So I'm hoping that he will get this moment now to to shine. Um, But I think Lecce are going to be right down there again once more. I think Salernitana are going to drag themselves out. Um, I think they're starting to move in the right direction. Um, and Empoli are a bit all over the place. So they could go either way. Um, but that's that's what I'm going to leave it with on the bottom of things. Um, I haven't talked about Sassuolo and Udinese uh, because I think they are going to finish mid-table without much difference again. So that's why I've left them out. But that's my, uh, that's my roundup at the bottom. I think the three promoted teams are in trouble, but I think Genoa have the best chance of survival. I think Hellas Verona are in trouble again. I think Lecce and Empoli might well be down there with them. So there you have it. That's the roundup. That's the roundup of things at the bottom, Dean. Oh, lovely stuff, mate. Yeah, so all gets underway this weekend. Um, anything that's standing out for you as, as one you're definitely going to miss? I mean, it's spread over uh, Saturday, Sunday, even Monday games. Uh, coming up, I think Milan games, actually, not until Monday. Um, I, to be honest, like for me, it's all about the first Juve game. Like after just saying then that I think that they can win the title, they've obviously got to go and make an early statement if they're going to do that. They've got Udinese away on Sunday night. So that's the game that I'm definitely not missing. Mm. I mean, I'm really excited to see Genoa Fiorentina. I think that will give us a nice yeah. vibe of where the two sides are at this season. Um, Inter Monza, I think, is probably the best game of the lot. I think that that could be an actual genuine cracker to open things off. Um, but also Bologna-Milan on the Monday night. 
I think one that I will one that I will definitely be keeping an eye on. So there's there's my three picks for the opening weekend. Beautiful stuff, mate. Pizza and a glass of red wine and a bit of Italian football. You cannot beat it. You cannot indeed. You cannot indeed. And with that, Dean, I think it's probably time for us to call it a day. So all that's left for me to do is to say thank you very much to everybody for listening. We hope you've enjoyed our Serie A preview. There'll be one final preview coming out on a Thursday morning, which is going to be a Bundesliga preview where we're going to be joined by the brilliant Kevin Hatchard. He is a commentator on the Bundesliga and a fountain of knowledge of German football. So I'm really excited about having Kev on the pod. Uh, For now, thank you very much to Mr. Dean Jones. Cheers, mate. I've been Jack Collins, Knave of Hearts. This has been Ranks FC Serie A season preview. We cannot wait for Calcio to be back. Take it easy, gang. Peace. Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks.